the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From cults to denominations, baptism is a part of practice. So why water baptism? Let's talk about that next, here on Truth For Today. No matter the flavor of religion... Water baptism is usually a part of it in some way, shape, or form. For evangelicals, why do we water baptize people? Well, it's a very good question. Scripture provides a very decent answer. We'll start in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and move our way through Acts with several other examples of water baptism and explanations as to why. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil now in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and today's edition of Truth For Today. Peter replied, talking to this audience, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise for you and your children. And for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Now this is a great verse. But you'd be amazed at the different ways it's interpreted. Uh, one. There's a gr- group that says. You baptize only in Jesus' name because it uses Jesus' name. Now, didn't Jesus say baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit? Why didn't Peter say that? Because the issue with this audience is they claim to know God, but they didn't claim Jesus. The one they rejected, the one that they crucified, and the one that says, no way, He said, you've got to repent and change your mind about Jesus Christ. And you've got to be baptized. And he uses a word for, F-O-R, for there, for the forgiveness of sins. Well, that's an interesting uh, little uh, word. It's a word ice. We get the word exit, different word, but it's a preposition And it can be translated for the purpose of, and that's a legitimate translation, for the purpose of or for the aim. So he could have been saying, some say, you got to be baptized in order that your sins be remitted. Is that what the rest of the Bible teaches? Water gets your sins forgiven. Does the book of John that says believe in Jesus Christ over a hundred times and never mentions water baptism once and believe and you will have eternal life. Now, can we add water? No. Hear me. In understanding the Bible, always interpret the difficult in light of the plain. 
You got a hundred verses in John. Believe in Jesus and you will receive eternal life. The book of Romans. The gospel, the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. Now listen to this. 1 Corinthians 1. Paul said, God sent me to preach the gospel and not baptism. I baptized some of you, but I'm a gospel preacher, and I don't have to baptize anyone to preach the gospel. The gospel isn't, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again, and you got to get baptized. That is not our gospel. Our gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He died, was buried, rose again. Through him you can be accepted to God. So the baptism is not for the purpose of remission. It's because of remission. You've repented. You've accepted this Jesus. And because of that, you ought to go public and be baptized in his name. In the same city where you killed him, denounced him, ridiculed him, we want to give you a public uh, way to go public and say, I believe in the Jesus we crucified. And they did. 3,000 were baptized that day. That's not too bad for your first sermon. <laughs> I've been trying to get those results. Uh, look at Acts 8. You've got Philip is caught away to go to Samaria. And can you imagine? I mean... The Jewish hatred for the Samaritans. And, and God tells him to go down there and preach to them. And uh, he preaches to them. And uh, even Simon the sorcerer uh, comes to Christ. And he was a great uh, enemy of the gospel. And, but verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They believed the message that Philip preached. And immediately, here we make them take a baptism class, uh, promise 20% of their income. Uh, I mean, be perfect. I mean, it's amazing. They immediately baptized. Immediately. Because they knew they were accepting Christ. There's no question. We put people through a screening process because we get people from every background, every walk. We want to be sure they're born again. That's the reason for it. Because if you're truly a believer, water baptism is your right. You should be baptized. And so they were. Now, let's go over to uh, chapter 9 when Paul gets saved. God knocks him off this mule and gives him a vision brighter than the noonday sun. And uh, he's told uh, to go and wait for Ananias to come lay hands on him. And so we find him at verse 18. Well, pick up 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord. Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Here he's filled with the Spirit, but there's no tongues. 
Several times in Acts, they were filled with the Spirit and no tongues. So tongues were necessarily requirement to know that you were filled with the Spirit. Here's Paul, he's filled with the Spirit. And no physical outward manifestation. He's just filled with the Spirit. I'll say this, if you get filled with the Spirit, he will change your tongue. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Just accepted Jesus Christ, baptized. Just like that. Look at chapter 10. Uh, Peter is told to go down and evangelize an Italian boy named Cornelius, a Roman soldier. He prayed to God. He was a devout man. Uh, but he, he wasn't a Christian yet. And so, this orthodox, strict Jew that doesn't want to have dinner with a Gentile, God has to bring a sheet down from heaven and say, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. You go see this Gentile. He goes there, and uh, he shares the gospel. And uh, eventually, look what it says. In verse 46, uh, verse 47. In this case, uh, they spoke in tongues as evidence that they had the same Holy Spirit. Then Peter said, verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Spirit. You see, they're already saved. They've got the Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Look at chapter 16. This is the early church. They're evangelizing. The missionaries are going out. People are coming to Christ. And what happened immediately upon their confession? He preaches in the city of Philippi. Lydia puts faith in Christ. And uh, uh, when she put faith in Christ, verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. She receives Christ immediately, baptism. Look at verse 33. Philippian jailer comes to faith. They spoke the word of the Lord to him in verse 32. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Is that beautiful? Just saying, it was late at night. Could you imagine having a 12 o'clock at night water baptism right there in the house or in the jail, wherever they did it? You don't need a heated baptistry to get baptized. We heat it, nearly put suds in it. I mean, I grew up with people that were baptized in creeks, rivers, ponds. They, they could find water, uh, water troughs. I know guys have been baptized in tubs at home, bathing tub. Sequampatia was baptized in a bathing tub because he became a Christian in India in Punjab, in a Sikh community that threatened to kill him from becoming a Christian. And he got a uh, 
pastor in India to baptize him in his tub. He wanted to go public that he knew Christ. And yet, he was in the bathroom in a tub, but he got baptized. Well, 18, verse 8. Christmas, the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord. Now, what if it said this? Christmas and his whole household were baptized, and later on they believed. That is never said that order. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. There are many baptized people in the church that have never been born again. They never put faith in Christ. And so it confuses baptism. Jesus commanded, I want my disciples, go disciple the nations, and while you're going, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I commanded you. Let us talk about different traditions of baptism that people have grown up with. Uh, I think no matter whether you're a Protestant tradition or Catholic tradition, uh, infant baptism is, is a part of much of Christianity's practice. Uh, Reformation people, uh, Anglican uh, tradition, uh, Roman Catholic, uh, what do you do? You got to get the infant baptized, sprinkled as soon as you can. Where did that come from? Even the uh, Reformation never left that. John Calvin, they sprinkled. Luther, they sprinkled. Infants. Why don't we do that with infants? We don't believe it, but uh, why don't we believe it? See, that's the... How did, how did godly, sincere men... Because you've got to know Presbyterian, born-again pre- Presbyterians, evangelical men, John Stott, many godly men, they, they practice it. Why do they practice it? So let me give you some history, background. Just a brief addition. In the 4th century, Augustine, a great notorious and famous, he was notorious for being a profligate before he was saved. His mother kept praying for him. He comes to Christ. He becomes the bishop of the North African church in Hippo, H-I-P-P-O. He's there, and he gets in a debate with another Catholic uh, bishop in North Africa, by the name of Pelagius. They both got in a debate. They finally called a church council to resolve the conflict between the church. They're being split over it. And this was the argument they got into. Pelagius said, all children are born innocent and are born without being a sinner. And that they're not a sinner until they commit their first sin. That sounds good, doesn't it? Isn't that what you thought when you picked up the baby? There cannot be any sin here. Keep feeding them. (laughs) Keep clothing them. In time, they will sin. Now Pelagius says, that's when they become a sinner. Like Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sin, 
okay, they became a sinner. Augustine, on the other side, he argued, no, no, no. The Bible says we were born dead in sin. Uh, We were born identified with Adam. Uh, We were born guilty because of our identity in Adam. Pelagius said that is heresy. That is nonsense. You can't be blamed for what another man did. It's not fair to blame me for what Adam did. If you buy that argument, watch out now. Romans 5, 12 through 21. If you buy that argument, neither can you get credit for what another man did. Because God's put the whole human family under one of two men. You're either in the man that brought sin into the world, or you're in the man who paid for sin and makes you acceptable to God. And his whole argument is, I died in Adam. I died And guess what the argument was? Even before there was the law of Moses, people physically died. There was no law to break. And yet we were still burying babies. How can you be burying the innocent? There were sinners. And death visited the entire human family because of Adam. Your baby can die. Infant mortality. How? Death is a result of sin. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. Unless you get in the second man, Christ. And that's the argument of Romans 5. Some don't like the identification that condemns me, but that has to be as true for you to be justified in another man. See, so that tension. So Augustine gets in this battle... With Pelagius said, no, our children are born sinners. Question came up in his mind. How can we guarantee the safety of the child if the child should die? What if my child dies? I want to know where they're going to be. So out of that, they practice infant baptism But with this theology, this protects my child and guarantees they're not going to be in hell like the pagan children. Pagan's children, they understood, are lost. But if a Christian mom and dad get theirs baptized, we put them under a safety net. And even... Protestants argue, they use this argument, 1 Corinthians 7, 15, that when an unsaved man lives with a saved woman, what does the Bible say? The home is sanctified. Did you hear that? Just, and it tells that saved woman, don't leave your unsaved husband. Because otherwise your children would be considered unclean. But with the presence of one child of God in that marriage, husband or wife, you're having the sanctifying effect over your children in that home. So just protect those offspring. So there is an argument there, and your reformers use that. The presence, and so the parents can sanctify these children and have a uh, saving effect 
And so we're going to baptize them, sprinkle them. And so the motive was sincere. The, the motive was to, but here's the problem. When you read Acts, there's no record of any infant ever being baptized. There's no record of any unbeliever ever being baptized. That baptism followed your profession of faith. Now, let me tell you more than you want to hear. Uh, in church history, after the Reformation, there was a group that sprung up in Switzerland and Germany that became known as Anabaptists, which was a cuss word. The Reformers despised them. Luther called them heretics. Most of the Reformers called them heretics. They were the... Uh, uh, predecessors to Mennonites and to Baptists. And they took on the name Anna Baptist. A-N-A Baptist. But why Anna? Anna Baptist, Anna Baptist. The word Anna is a Greek word that means again. To be baptized again. Why do you get baptized? Hey, I was baptized as an infant. Were you born again? No. Had you professed faith? No. Had you taken Christ as your Savior? No. Well, your baptism is invalid. It destroyed the message it was meant to convey. That you are identifying yourself. See, baptism from the Jews and early church. If I was baptized into Moses, 1 Corinthians 10.1, they were baptized into Moses. I'm identified with Moses. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I've been baptized into the body of Christ. What does that mean? I've been identified with Jesus Christ. My new identity before God. And it's so real. Now, now this is no little myth. It's so real that Galatians says, when God sees you, he doesn't see gender. He doesn't see your economic base. And he doesn't see your ethnicity. There's neither male nor female. There's neither rich nor poor, Greek nor barbarian or Jew. All of those distinctions are out with him. He says, I'm looking to see if you've been identified with my son. Do I see someone I can treat like my son? Because when you're in Christ, he treats you like he treats his son. In a shouting church, they'd be shouting. But you're a tame church. Or you don't get it. My identity is I'm in Christ. And everything God wants to give a sinner, he can now give me because my identity is there. Now, baptism, water baptism, was simply a simple way. And the Jews already practiced it. They'd seen John the Baptist do it. Okay? that I'm going to be identified publicly by profession with this Christ, with John the Baptist. Whoever's name I'm being baptized in, I am making, that's my identity. So, we don't accept infant baptism as valid New Testament baptism. We're Anabaptists. We're Anabaptists. You need to be baptized again. I would ask you this. Have you been baptized since you professed Christ? 
Jesus said uh, in Mark 8.38 and Luke 9.16, if you're ashamed to own me publicly before men, I'll be ashamed to own you before my Father. And uh, God doesn't believe in secret disciples. Could you imagine not wanting the public to know that you belong to Christ? Compare that down here versus him introducing you up there. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available. Again, they're at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.